In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Brothers and sisters, today is the first day of Lent, Soma, and on the first Sunday of Soma, the church always gives us this gospel reading to read every single year. Because it's the beginning of Jesus's, technically, this is the beginning of Jesus's ministry, and he begins his ministry not by preaching, but by fasting and praying. And by doing that, gives us an example of what all activity must follow, all of our activities if they are to be sanctified, if they are to be blessed by God, must be followed by prayer. Jesus fasts 40 days and 40 nights, and the devil comes to him and tempts him three times with three very specific, very common temptations. If you ask me, I think these three temptations pretty much encapsulate the whole array of temptations that the devil throws at every single one of us. If you are the son of God, turn these stones into loaves of bread. Look at how audacious, how daring the devil is here with Jesus. If you are the son of God, he's challenging Jesus' sonship. If you're the son of God, do the thing that I'm telling you to do. Turn these stones into loaves of bread. Jesus responds to this temptation and to all the temptations with words from scripture. Obviously, he is the word of God, and so he obviously knows the word of God. And he uses the word of God to answer every one of these temptations. While the devil is throwing out challenges, temptations, Jesus is responding with scripture. A question for you and I, who do we sound more like when we speak? Do we sound more like our Lord who knows scripture and who quotes scripture, who speaks out of the heart of scripture, whose words mimic, imitate, and reflect the very words of God? Or do we sound more like Satan himself when we tell people, if you are a good person, if you are really a Catholic, if you really love me, then you're going to do X, Y, and Z for me. Do we sound more like our Lord, whose words give freedom, or do we sound more like the devil whose words start to control? The devil tempts Jesus, and he says, turn these stones into loaves of bread. I think that does sound a lot like us very often when we challenge God, and we tell God something like, well, if God is real, why is there still hunger in the world? If God is real, why do children still starve in the world? Certainly there are a lot more stones in the world than there is bread, and he is God. He can turn all these stones into bread, and everybody in the world would be fed. Why wouldn't he do that? If you are the son of God, Jesus, why aren't you doing this thing that I know to be a good solution to the problem of the world? Starvation is an evil. It's a horrible, unfair, really kind of a disgusting thing that still exists in the world today when we have a surplus. And yet, 
Jesus seems quite silent about it. Is that what the Son of God would do? What about all the doubt in the world? Whether God exists or not, whether Christ is the Son of God or not, whether he died and rose from the dead or not, whether the Christian faith is true or not. How about all the doubt that happens in regards to the question of the faith? Maybe all the doubt that happens in your own heart or mind in, the, in terms of the question of the faith. Why wouldn't Jesus just show everybody exactly who he is? The devil takes him to the pinnacle of the temple and he says, throw yourself down, don't worry. Psalm 46, which is what the, the devil quotes. Psalm 46 says, he will give his angels charge of you. And on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. The devil is saying, if you're the son of God, you're that guy. The angels are going to carry you. Throw yourself down so that everybody can see that you're the one. So why doesn't God make it that obvious to us? You've heard it said probably, if God loves us, if God is real, if God is true, etc., etc., why doesn't God write such, write these kinds of things in the clouds? Why doesn't he just make it really clear for everybody so that nobody doubts, everybody just knows, nobody really has to believe. We all just have perfect knowledge of it. If God is real, he would have made it more obvious. Bertrand Russell is a famous atheist from early 1900s. And when somebody asked him, a Catholic asked him, well, what if you're wrong and then you die and then you go and you meet God? What are you gonna to say to God? If he's gonna send you to hell, what's gonna be your excuse? Bertrand Russell said, I will tell him, sir, you didn't give me enough evidence. This is how a modern person thinks. So why doesn't God give us more evidence? Throw yourself off the pinnacle of the temple, let the angels catch you. That's plenty of evidence. Or the third temptation, which is really relevant to us today. The devil showed him all the kingdoms of the earth and their glory and said, these belong to me and I will give them to you. All you have to do is fall down and worship me. Why wouldn't Jesus take it? And sometimes, we have this implicit critique of Jesus that he didn't take it. Politics is really messed up. There's a lot of evil people in politics and, it's, and it affects the lives of everybody. If we just got the perfect president in or the perfect king to rule the world, then all of our problems would go away. So why didn't Jesus do it? He could have been the king of the world. He would have ruled according to his knowledge, according to his wisdom, according to his goodness. And he would have put in all the right policies in place so that all of us would have good, peaceful, and equitable lives. Why wouldn't Jesus do that? Why is it that when the devil offered it to him, he didn't take it? When the Jews went to grab him to make him king, he ran away instead. When Pontius Pilate said, are you a king? He said, no, my, king, my kingdom is not of this world. Why did Jesus deny kingship in this world? Why, why not put in the Son of God to be the king of the world for us and rule this world? Well, the answer to all these questions is 
obviously Jesus, our Lord, is not indifferent to these kinds of things. He's not indifferent to the fact that kids go hungry. He is hurt by it more than we are, more than they are, for that matter. He loves those children more than their own parents love them. Jesus is not indifferent to the temptation to doubt. He knows what we go through and he knows how hard it is. He gives us what we need in order to actually believe. He's not indifferent to the fact that politics oftentimes, when ruled by corruption, really harms the lives of citizens. He's not indifferent to these things. But he also knows that perfecting these things does not satisfy what the deepest desires of the human heart requires. If we had an infinite amount of bread, if we had an infinite amount of knowledge, if we had an infinite amount of power, and all of those combined, it wouldn't be enough to make us happy because we're made for more than bread, knowledge, and power. That's why Jesus says, it is not by bread, it is not by bread alone that man lives, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We live for more than being materially satisfied, than being in control of our lives, than knowing everything so that there's no mysteries that we have to run up against. We're made for a lot more than that. We're made for love. We're made for union with God. We are made for eternal life. We are made for something that satisfies the deepest desires of the human heart where the image of God resides. And the only thing that can satisfy the human heart, Jesus says, is the word of God. And that's to say, dialogue with God. That's to say, union with God. If we had an infinite amount of bread, an infinite amount of knowledge, an infinite amount of power, we would still feel lost and we would still feel in want. We know that today. We don't have an infinite amount of this stuff, but we have far more than we need and we feel more needy than ever. This is why, of course, it's true what Jesus says. It is... Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. There is one bread that man does live by, and that alone does satisfy his heart. And that is the bread of life, the qurbana, the Eucharist, the body and blood of Jesus. That Eucharist, that bread which has been transformed into his crucified body, crucified and risen body. The bread that is no longer bread, but is now body body on the cross and body risen from among the tomb, the body that was obedient to God in all things, and that in obedience to God out of love for him and love for humanity, love for his people, that act of love which we share in, that is that union with God that every one of us desires in the deepest recesses of our hearts. That is the bread alone which does give life. And so let us seek that bread. Lent is started today, tomorrow we begin the fast. Whatever you're fasting from, make it worth it and make it good. Give something good to God, because he gave all to you. And persevere through it. 
But don't do it for the sake of a diet. Don't do it as just an exercise of self-discipline. Be disciplined. But do it out of love for God. Jesus fasted from his life out of love for you and in obedience to God. Now fast from something good and do it out of love for him. That way, your love and his love are united and your heart will be more satisfied than by possessing whatever it is that you're giving up. Good Lent to you all, and may God give you the grace to persevere. Amen.